Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. This week, as London turns into a mega city of immigrants, one extraordinary change to its life and culture is going almost unnoticed. London is becoming more religious, more Christian as well as more Muslim. There are now fewer atheists in London than in the rest of the country. Fewer births out of wedlock, too. Here's a quote from my guest today, Ben Judah, author of This Is London, a book about the immigrant city which he researched undercover, sometimes posing as an immigrant. The old London of empty churches and ambling vicars who don't believe in God is fading into history. The new London is a city of Somali basement mosques, overflowing Polish chapels and teeming African Pentecostal services in converted bingo halls. The villages and the small towns in the provinces, not in a London, are where the godless are. As Ben's research shows, the new believers of London may belong to religions we're very familiar with, Christianity and Islam, but the new flavours of faith are far removed from the experience of non-immigrant Londoners. They're revivalist, exotic, partly underground, in some cases touched by magic and paranoia, it's not what we're used to or what we were expecting, is it, Ben? I think one of the most interesting stories of what's happening in London is this modest religious revival that the capital is experiencing. And it's part of a real transformation of London from what was historically almost exclusively a white working class city into an immigrant megacity. If we go back to when uh, the Queen was young, we go back to 1931, the foreign-born population of London was 2.7%. Look at the official statistics today, which are, of course, an underestimate because they don't count. Illegal immigration, the foreign-born population is 37%. And unless there's a dramatic reduction of the amounts of immigrants coming to London by 2031, the census statistics suggest the majority of Londoners will be foreign born. Part of that sweep is that Christianity has been booming in London over the last 10, 15, 20 years and there's been a dramatic rise in the number of churches. There's been an increase of just under 20% of the number of churches in London and there's been an increase in church attendance. I remember when the when the Poles first started arriving in London, the, the Catholics said, well, they've saved the church in this country. And indeed, Catholic church attendance um, has stayed pretty solid ever since the first wave of immigrants. But my, my impression is that the Poles, the Eastern European Catholics, are bringing with them conventional cultural devotional practices that are fairly quickly snuffed out by Western consumerist society, by, by, by Westfield, by clubbing, by whatever. They're, they're, they're replaced, but by and large, it's, we're not talking about a religious revival. If, however, we look at African Pentecostal Christianity, we find something that's much more robust, more revivalist, more magical in its thinking. Exactly. So the revival of Christianity in London has been primarily driven by Pentecostal black majority churches. And there's been uh, over 700 new Christian places of worship that sprung up in London between 2005 and 2012 following Pentecostal rites. And the majority were black only churches. And if we look at who's going to church in inner London, just under 50% of all worshippers uh, will be black. 
And if you look overall at black versus white church attendance, just under 20% of black people are regular uh, weekly churchgoers versus about 8% of white people in the city. And it's not comfortable village fate Christianity, is it? It's often bound up with the, the so-called prosperity gospel promises that you will acquire great wealth if you follow Jesus, the personality cults of individual pastors. It's very, very strongly linked to, to what's happening back in Africa. There's, um, there are exorcisms. There's a, there's a strong belief in witchcraft, general level of excitement, and also a spiritual warfare, which is pretty much alien to the religious traditions of London. Well, that's quite a negative reading of it, the positive reading. I'm not particularly negative about it. I, I, I've studied it in great detail, and I, I have friends who belong to these churches, but nonetheless, I do notice, for example, that the, these churches generate many stories in the news, even though their, their identity as African Pentecostal churches is often not mentioned by journalists. A writing... My recent book, This Is London, I spent a lot of time, kind of months, plunged into these communities, living and working with them, profiling lots of people who are part of this world. And when I was profiling individuals and families who were following these Pentecostal churches, a lot of what people said was that the church was really the front line on dealing with problems those communities faced, such as gang warfare, family breakdown. Uh, a lot of my interviewees said that they liked going to a place which was black majority, so they didn't find that elsewhere in London. That was very important for them. A lot of my interviewees said that they were watching Nigerian or Ghanaian TV at home, and that some of the pastors were being sort of advertised there, and that's how they were sort of linking back. Another subplot to this story is part of Britain's complicated visa system, whereas the church can give you a reference, the church can vouch your character which Eastern Europeans don't need. I mentioned the prosperity gospel, perhaps in too negative a, a light, because I in many ways... It's, it's, is a big part of it. It is a big part of it, but in many ways these churches are a route to prosperity because they do tend to nurture broken families. They, and you don't often hear me using this type of jargon, but they do actually empower women, I found. A lot of black professional yes. women, or in fact so many black professional women in London, are members of Pentecostal churches. So in a sense the churches are at the, are at the very root of a community which might collapse without them. When I went to these prosperity churches and I went with friends and I heard a lot of these direct promises, like give five pounds and you will not get cancer. Give ten pounds and you will get your stay, your uh, permission to remain in the UK from the Home Office. And I asked my friends, does your mum, does your auntie actually believe that? If she gives five quid and she will not get cancer? And they went, no, that's just the way people talk. Polish Christianity in London, indeed, exactly as you said, is that most Poles are coming to London from rural backgrounds. They're coming from a, a very conservative, nationalistic, jingoistic even experience of Polish Christianity. And they come to London and the experience they get is a kind of liberating one. It's letting go of uh, village life. The church is often seen as part of that and as something to uh, throw away. One of the reasons there might be less church attendance is it's much more difficult to train a Polish priest. There are only 120 Polish priests in the UK. It's expensive, it's time-consuming, they've got to go through all these courses, they've got to be ordained. Mm. If you're setting up a Pentecostal church, you, you don't need You don't. Need you don't. Absolutely and, not. Uh, that infrastructure's not completely laid out. I think another problem has been 
the clash of two Polish communities in London with the old Poles, as they're called, Poles, Polish families who came in the 1940s and 1950s uh, from the Polish emigre uh, army, Polish government in exile, often rooted their communities around churches, viewing those as their spaces. I remember them. I, I grew up in Reading where there were lots and lots of Poles and there was a Polish church and they were exactly as you described. Polish working class uh, migrants from the villages didn't instinctively feel that they belonged in these English-speaking first Polish communities. So I think that's part of the story. Um, and if you look at Islam... Yes, I want to move on to Islam because it's the other great revivalist religion And it's in quite London. interesting to compare London to Paris in this respect. You have around 5,000 churches in London and around 400 mosques. But... A lot less of these mosques will be Salafist than I think the general public believes, which doesn't really know what that term means. And in the UK in general, just under 5% of mosques will be Salafi mosques. If you look in France, you don't have the exact figures, but it's believed that the figure is much higher. And what that has actually done is begin to turn off a lot of culturally Arab Muslim families off from religious practice and if you look at small towns and uh, sort of medium-sized uh, cities such as Grenoble or Toulouse where there isn't a lot of uh, options on offer for a sort of Arab Muslim family a lot of fathers in particular are choosing to not bother to take their sons to to mosque there's a, a risk of radicalization which is seen as too high now the situation is different in England and you have written about popular misconceptions about Islam in this country. For example, you've said that people confuse the Islam of the subcontinent, the, the, the Pakistani or Bangladeshi mosques, which you'd heard described as old people's homes, where prayers are either in a South Asian language or in English, and they confuse that with the hard-edged uh, converts to Salafism with their internet-fueled fantasies of desert jihad. However, there must be some cross-fertilisation. Of course there's cross-fertilisation because people are mobile. We're talking about these sort of institutions. There's a lot of people who move between the two. But the overall impression one gets from investigating London is that South Asian Darabandi mosques are often called old people's homes by the people who, who attend them. And they're seen more as sort of community centres. The, the day prayers are mostly in their 60s and 70s. They're, they're not overly interested in preaching to beyond the direct ethnic parameters. That, that so, so if you like, it's, 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 it's a tradition exciting. of Islam that, that's, that's compatible with with London, which indeed has a, has a Muslim mayor, not that anybody really very often thinks of him as a Muslim mayor, or at least thinks about his religion. Well, most of these religious brotherhoods uh, and movements sort of emerged in the early 20th century in British India as a way of protecting Muslim culture in the subcontinent from British imperialism and from Hindu re revivalism. So they've got a slightly different background from the kind of Islam and Salafist Arab Islam that has taken over a lot of places of worship in French suburbs. Which is not, com well, the French insist that it's not compatible with French culture, which genuinely is, as, as you've written in Standpoint magazine recently source of tremendous friction in, in the Bonlieu. A lot of French intellectuals and French politicians are coming from a different place. Like Most Britons will often say, even if they're Labour or Conservative first, they're a Liberal second, that Liberalism is part of their mental firmament. French people 
tends to say they're intellectuals or they're operating in politics that they're a Republican first or second. And Republican ideology is somewhat somewhat different. And it, one often hears the argument in France from a lot of uh, local politicians in these areas that go, the original French, white French ethnic majority may have disappeared because we're, we're liberal and we're not sort of fascistic. We don't mind that happens. That's, uh, that's, his, that's history. But we get to define the rules in which this new multiracial society will be. And in order for it to be a Republican society, we're allowed to say that we don't accept certain forms of religious practice. That's not a liberal argument, but it is a Republican one. So, if you like, the clash between religion and secular society is less overt than it is in France. But nonetheless, every variety of religion you've described in your, in your book and in and various articles tends to lie outside what you might call the Western cultural consensus. I mean, for example, there used to be, when I was younger, a tremendous amount of talk about multi-faith dialogue. Mm. It's actually quite difficult to imagine multi-faith dialogue between people whose neighbours might be actually burning each other's villages in other parts of the world. Nonetheless, the presence of more religious people in London has have had some sort of effect on the broader culture in London and in the rest of the country. Well, there are less atheists in London than in Britain as a whole. So 25% of people in Britain as a whole will say they're atheists. This falls down to 20% in London. And there are a lot less births out of wedlock in London. London society is a lot more ritualised than it is in the rest of the country. So you have around 36% of births out of wedlock in London. But if you go to the northeast, a winner in the out-of-wedlock rates, you've got 59% of births which are, are out of wedlock. And also London, to may surprise you, has got lower alcohol consumption than the UK average. I'm wondering to what extent this is religion and to what extent it's culture, or perhaps the distinction between religion and culture is much clearer in our minds in the West than it actually is in the rest of the world. I think it's certainly true. Just to talk about like the Jewish community to sort of complete our survey yeah. of religions, one of the reforms that came out of the last Conservative government and was uh, grew out of policies initiated under Tony Blair has been that it's far easier for religious groups, foundations and uh, individuals to set up and run their own schools. And there's been a flourishing of Jewish schools in northwest London and in Manchester and the percentage of Jewish children over all who go to Jewish schools is now around 30%. There's a sense, perhaps, of cultural anxiety that people seek, Jews particularly, seek refuge in the, the traditions of their religion because, precisely because they feel it's under attack. One of the things that does concern me looking to Northwest London in the 21st century is you have increasingly Muslim groups setting up their own schools, you have uh, long tradition of Catholic and Protestant schools in this country and now you've got flourishing uh, Jewish schools of all descriptions from the very sort of open liberal variants to the more traditional kind of halachic uh, variants. And I think that is a step back from multicultural integrating uh, schools and one of the reasons I, I think that is that there are studies that show that you're far less likely to intermarry with someone from a different religious group if you're not schooled with them brings me to my final point. Everything you've written about describes rapid change. 
And this rapid change brings with it religious beliefs that carry with them expectations and very, very powerful tribal identities of a, of a type that perhaps we've never experienced before in Britain. And now all these communities are almost literally sitting on top of one another in London. You know, there was an attitude in the UK and in the British establishment that all you had to do was hold the 2012 Olympics and uh, jazz up some nice uh, public service broadcasting, and that was it. In fact, like, ethnic change is one of the most difficult and complicated things a society can go through historically. And all levels of uh, government have to be primed to be alert to its flaws and to make sure it works and to create a framework where people can really flourish. And the level of ethnic change we're seeing in the UK is only just beginning. We have a very good idea what Britain's uh, demography will look like in 2050 because we know what five-year-olds look like. And by 2050, the British population overall will be around 30% non-white and up to 40% non-white British. So that's approaching the levels we have in London today, where 55% of the population are non-white British. So I think it's really important to study London and to see where it works and where it's going wrong in order to understand the Britain. And to study, and which I think got left out of the picture for decades to study the religious beliefs of the people who are arriving in this country. Absolutely. I think that in the next 20, 30 years, we're going to realise it's not just class that is a key element of our politics, but also ethnicity and faith. Ben Druder, thank you very much. And don't forget, Holy Smoke is The Spectator's new religion podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast, but don't miss it.